0: turn your passion into your profession with a master's degree in sports product management from the University of Oregon. As part of this program, you will learn the business of creating sports and outdoor apparel, footwear, and equipment. You'll build product in our on-site innovation lab in Portland, Oregon, or in your own home. You'll network with leaders in the sports and outdoor industry through program mentors, guest speakers, and internship opportunities with adidas nike columbia sportswear under armor keen hydroflask and more and you'll gain high demand knowledge of the entire product creation life cycle to advance your career in the sports and outdoor product industry now available as an immersive 18-month on-site program in portland oregon and as an innovative 21-month online program, visit business.uoregon.edu SPM for more information. One more time on that site. It is business.uoregon.edu SPM.
1: I think a lot of people, they look at these jobs and think they're so glamorous and, you know, they see the blue checks on Instagram and the followers and they're like, I want to be that. And if you come in this industry for that reason, you're gonna get burnt out very quickly if it's not something that you're passionate about. What made me stand out and set apart when you're looking at resumes is being able to see, like, okay, like this girl could be a one-woman band if we needed her to be. And so this is why this can be our best candidate.
0: This is the work in sports podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at workinsports.com. Brian Clapp. If you're anything like me, there is an almost magnetic draw to sports on television. Highlights, analysis, pregame, behind the scenes, storytellers, all of it. Oh, and the games aren't so bad either. I will find myself, and this might sound familiar to you, I will find myself flipping through the channels on YouTube TV, and instead of stopping on some network sitcom, I will see something like Loyola versus Drake in men's basketball. Two teams I have no rooting interest for, no knowledge of, but will still opt in to that experience. Invariably, within minutes, I have a new team that I'm cheering for. Go Drake or go Loyola. Usually it's whoever's losing at the time when I tune in because it's always more fun to cheer for an underdog. The comeback story is always better. So the overarching point, though, is that the addiction is real. And this is how my career started by figuring out what i was emotionally drawn to i wanted to be part of the sports on television the broadcast media this environment it just enthused me it drew me to it i could watch an hour of espn sports center and then watch it again on repeat trying to pick up on things i had missed the first time around i would write down scripts as anchors read them and trying to pick up clues on how they constructed their stories and their lead-ins When reporters covered a feature story, I would take notes on the way they asked questions and the hooks they used to get somebody into the story where you needed to stay through it. All of it became so important to me. When I started working in the media, this desire only grew. I wanted to study the craft, improve my methods, and advise and teach others to do the same. Now, for me, I admire the storytellers. Think about names like Tom Rinaldi and Laura Oakman those reporters that can interview an athlete and draw them out of their normal responses and dig deeper into their personality and process. That is what I live for now. This skill is what drew me to today's guest, Tamara Brown, team reporter for the New England Patriots. Yes, my hometown team. I promise during this interview, I don't fanboy too much. I saw a video of Tamara interviewing Adrian Phillips, Patriots safety, during the past season. And I just loved the way she asked questions. Then I dug deeper into her background and was blown away by the steps she has taken in her career to grow and improve. She's still young in her career, but has reached this point that is already so impressive. How did she do it? What strategies did she employ? That's what we're going to talk about in today's conversation. She became a guest I needed to have on the show. So as soon as the season ended, started to reach out and we made it happen. So here she is, Tamara Brown, New England Patriots team reporter and producer. Hey Tamara, how are you today? Thanks so much for joining me.
1: I'm doing great, Brian. I'm glad to be here.
0: So there's so many parts of your career I'm excited to talk about, and so many levels I'm excited to dig into and learn more about your experience, but let's start at the beginning a little bit. What made you decide working in sports is what I want to do, and then even one step further, why? Being a reporter, being a producer, being a storyteller, what led you this direction?
1: 11 years ago, um, one of my teammates, I'm a former cheerleader, sideline and competitive. Um, On the sidelines, she was like, you're never actually paying attention to anything that we're doing on the sideline. You are just always watching the game. I'm like, yeah, cheerleading is like the best seat in the house. You front row seats to everything. Um, She was like, you should pursue that in college. at the time, I really wanted to be a lawyer because I'm obsessed with Law & Order SWU. (laughs) That's what I wanted to do. (laughs) And I'm still obsessed with that show. Um, But I was like, you know what? That sounds like an awesome opportunity. And honestly, that is why I ended up pursuing journalism at Virginia Tech and sports journalism more specifically, because after going through internships at local TV stations, I was like, news is not for me. And so I'm really thankful that I did a bunch of internships in college because then I was able to see what I liked and didn't like um, before I graduated, which really helped in the long term.
0: Oh my gosh, it's so important. That's why I tell people a lot of times is people reach out and we'll talk and they'll say, I did this internship and I hated it and I'm panicking. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you'd rather know that now, right? Wouldn't you rather do an internship, learn what you don't like, and then pivot Mm -hmm. versus graduate, go into the field, and then then learn that. That's probably, it was a big assist to you to learn that early on.
1: Exactly. Um, you know, school is awesome, and I de- definitely learned a lot in the classroom, but it was really out in the field that I really learned what I liked and didn't like. And don't get me wrong, like, working in local news is for some people. It's just not for everyone. Yeah. Um. And thanks, I'm so thankful that there are multiple routes in journalism that you can take. So... Um, definitely take all the internships that you can in different yeah. spaces and different fields, even in things that you might not be interested in, um, because the more you know is better, honestly.
0: So let's keep digging into that, because I've looked at thousands of LinkedIn pages, and I've looked at lots of resumes over the years. And I have to say, your background and experience and what you did so aggressively to gain experience is as impressive as it comes. I mean, you graduated from Virginia Tech in 2015, 2016, right around then? Yeah. And you have a lot of lined-up experience. You were aggressive doing internships to gain that experience to stand out in the industry. But what was your kind of strategy and approach as you identified that you wanted to work in this field and then just went after it aggressively?
1: I think one of the first things that I learned early on is that your yes count should be greater than your no count, meaning that that you should at all times be saying yes. If someone asks you to run stats at a game, yes. If someone asks you to do a shot chart at a game, you should say yes. Someone asks you to coil cables at a game, you should say yes. Even if in the long term, you don't want to do those things. You don't want to be a utility worker at a game. That's fine. But the more people that you know in this industry, the better. Because at the end of the day, my resume does look great, but it's not what I know, it's who I know. I've met so many valuable people at every single stop that I've made that I still talk to now. And they reach out if they know of opportunities, or maybe they have an opportunity in-house that they know I'd be great for. So we hear this all the time. It's probably a broken record, but it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I definitely wanted to make sure that, one, um, I didn't turn down a job based off location. I know we all want to live in the Miamis, the Atlantas, the DCs, LAs, New Yorks of the world. But at Nope. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes the best opportunities are in the middle of nowhere, like working at Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I wanted to be flexible in the role that I was taking and the locations because I knew that that was going to help me in the long run. And it truly has. I've got my own in front of the camera experience. And I also got my behind the scenes experience, social experience, marketing experience, sponsorship experience. I've got it all. So Now I understand how every single aspect of the sports industry works almost. And it's truly helped me, especially in a time like right now with COVID 19, a lot of people making cutbacks because one, we couldn't have that many people at a game anymore. And two, um, just money is really different right now in our industry, especially with a lot of games not having fans. So when they look at you and you're like, "Hmm, she brings 10 things to the table, it's like, okay, we can retain her. Where unfortunately, you can't keep certain roles anymore because you just can't afford it. So um, it all worked out in the end, in the sense of I, can do so many things, whether it's being on camera, editing, producing, um, videography, photography, writing, even, um, it's just been so beneficial to me in the long run, just to have taken those, um, extra steps to work on things that I really wasn't super passionate about, but I knew I would need anyway.
0: Yeah. It's so important to realize that internships are experience, they're networking, They're building your versatility, they're forming your point of view, they're helping you decide what you like and where you wanna dig deeper. There's so much value that comes out of that. So you can see how it impacted your career. Let's go one layer deeper there. You had internships at small organizations like WAVY in Portsmouth, Virginia. But then you also interned at places like the Washington Redskins. How are those experiences different? Because those are two very different operations. Did they give you a different perspective on how the industry works?
1: Oh, for sure. Like at local TV stations, I got to do so much. Like, if you I do everything, to do, yeah. Yeah, you got to do everything. And I tell people all, that all the time when they ask for advice, I'm like, you're literally in a news station every single day. You either should come in early or stay late and get some extra things done on air. So you can come and already have a script prepared. Like say if, you know, Bob did highlights at 5 p.m. And once that show was done, say if you already had your script written, you could be like, hey, can I try highlights myself during the break? And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? We're not doing anything. And so I think it's taking those extra steps and taking advantage of those opportunities while you're in the building is amazing. Versus it is. Yep. getting back to your college campus and you're like, I don't have a reel, I don't have any clips. I don't have anywhere to shoot anything for my reel. What do I do? Yeah. I have, I've run into a lot of people like that who are like, I don't have a portfolio. I don't have a reel, but this is what I want to do. And so it's definitely taking advantage of those opportunities when you are at the local organizations, companies, TV stations to get as much as you can out of it versus the Redskins. It's more of an, what's, what you fear in the internship in terms of um, transcribing you might be holding yep. waters outside at practice for the players um
0: looks good on a resume but doesn't you didn't do as much yeah, yeah.
1: It, it, it's it's more of the heart like the um sweat and tears part of it <laughs> yeah. um, versus versus really getting some experience but it's still worth it because there's a lot of networking that happens um being a part of a lot of really cool experiences like training camp too so Um, it has its ups and downs, but it's not as glamorous as getting cool things for your real local television.
0: I totally get that. I think that's an interesting balance though. It's one of the things we talk about a lot is when you're doing internships to get that balance of big professional team where you can network and you can kind of observe how the best practices work and it's something that stands out on your resume, but you might not do as much. And then that local you're, you're doing everything. You're really getting exposed to a lot. So that makes a lot of sense sports reporter jobs, as you well know, are highly competitive. And like we talked about, you graduated from Virginia Tech just six years ago. You already have experience with University of Miami, Notre Dame, New York Giants, Mountain West Conference, the NHL, and my hometown team, the New England Patriots. Um, <laughs> as you look back, what has been your key to standing out from the competition and earning these these jobs?
1: Wow. Um, I think A big part of it is that I can bring multiple skills to the table. I know that when I've been interviewing for reporter jobs in the past, they're kind of like, we don't want someone who can just be a talking head and talk in front of the camera. Like, we're going to need someone who can produce, who can edit their own stuff, um, who can write potentially, who can shoot, who knows how to run social media, who knows how to produce something that can go on social media because um, there's a big difference between being a sports reporter for a local television show and, a lo- and being a sports reporter for the New England Patriots, for example. It's just really different. Um, and so, thankfully, I have been in spaces where I've been able to pick up editing skills on Premiere. Like I remember when I first started using Premiere, yeah, it might take me hours to edit a one-minute video. <laughs> now I can fly through that in like 30 minutes, maybe even yep. 15 sometimes. So, um, it's been extremely valuable. And this role right now, especially that I bring so many different skills to the table. And that's truly what's made me stand out and set apart when you're looking at resumes, is being able to see like, okay, like this girl could be a one-woman band if we needed her to be. And so this is why this could be our best candidate. Um, which has been great. And then not being afraid to move. Like whenever when someone's like, you know. Um, when I was on the phone with HR actually for this job for the Patriots, she was like, I see you live in Miami now. Are you comfortable moving yeah. to New England? Like, do you know it snows here? And I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal. Like I've lived in, I've, <laughs> I've lived in the Midwest for two years. Like yep. I get it. I've got my coat, bean boots, got it all.
0: You are a New Englander now. If you've got bean boots, you're good. You're, you're good to go. Oh
1: yes. Bean boots <laughs> are a necessity. I, yep. They were probably my everyday shoes when living in South Bend, Indiana. Like it snowed there so much. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that what I say is the most valuable thing is just making sure that you take the time to get other skills outside of being able to stand in front of a camera and talk about sports.
0: It's so true. When, when I first started out in the broadcast media, I mean, I got my first job in Atlanta, had never been there before working at CNN Sports Illustrated. I got the job offer and they were like, can you be here in two weeks? You just gotta be ready to go. Yeah. And I got recruited to be a news director at Fox Sports Northwest in Seattle. Had never been there before. Let's go, you know, like, and then I was in Denver and then it's like, you move around a lot and that's the way yeah. it works. And you've yeah. got to be flexible and you got to take on those challenges as they come. So I totally respect that. So with any kind of on-camera work, repetition and practice is key, but you can't replicate that live experience, right? You can't mm-hmm. just practice in your room and it's the same as being in an arena with screaming fans and chaos all around you. What do you remember about your first time in one of those high pressure situations where you had to perform? And what do you look back at and think about that moment? How do you feel about it?
1: Um, frightening to look at some of my old reels where I'm like, <laughs> I look like a deer in headlights. I look like I memorized everything that I was going to say. Um, it's just it's interesting to look back, and you're like, wow, I've come such a long way. Yeah. But I appreciate those because if you don't do it afraid, if you don't do it at all, then how are you going to ever get better at it? And so that's where, um, even now, my first time reporting it in. The Patriots Stadium and Gillette Stadium, the first time being in TD Garden in front of all the Bruins fans, like scary. Yes. Yeah. But I did it. I did it. And now it's amazing. Honestly, I thrive off of adrenaline and adversity. <laughs> so I, I love live everything. I honestly prefer it over taped hits just because it makes me better. Okay. And I have to fight through it no matter what. So even if I say stumble through the opening i can't stop and start over like i have to keep going like i'm having a conversation with you right now it's like i have to keep going pretend it's a regular conversation and move on
0: there's no safety net right you gotta keep going yeah
1: yeah versus when you're shaping it you can keep redoing it um and so i prefer live honestly it's more scary i guess so to speak but i think in the long run it just the thrill of it just gives me so much excitement.
0: So is it is it still exciting to you to be there like on game day and to have that crazy crowd around you and to have this event pressure going on? Is it still something that gets your excitement flowing?
1: Yes, yes. And and honestly, it doesn't even feel like work for me when I go work to sporting events. That's cool, um, And that's how it should be because I tell people all the time, it's like you're going to know early on if you're in this for the right reasons. I think a lot of people they look at these jobs and think they're so glamorous and, you know, they see the blue checks on Instagram and the followers and this and that. And they're like, I want to be that. And if you come in there, if you come in this industry for that reason, you're, you're going to get burnt out very quickly if it's not something that you're passionate about. And so for me, I'm thankful that I show up to work every day and doesn't even feel like we're at work. I don't dread being at the games. I don't dread 15 hour days. It's truly amazing to have the best seat in the house.
0: Oh, for sure. I still get geeked up sitting in a in a box, or sitting on courtside, or sitting at a game, and it's still like I don't know. I've been doing this a long time, but still, there's something special about game day and those those events and that pressure and that energy. I love the control room, like all that stuff. Just feels so powerful, I don't know, to me. So I love it. As a reporter and storyteller, because I think you do identify yourself as a storyteller, which I think is brilliant. I love that. Mm-hmm. How important has it been for you to find your style and your point of view and your delivery techniques? How how important has that process been for you?
1: It's huge. Um, I think early on, you know, you come into the industry and you're like, I want to be like Maria Taylor, or Aaron Andrews, or Alex Flanagan, or, um, you know, anyone out there. You're like, I want to be her. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, your better work is when you're authentic to your true self. And honestly, the more conversational you are, the more natural it feels. And those watching at home, um, you know, they feel like you're human as well. It's like the person you're talking to the subject, you want to make them feel like a human, but they, you also want you to be like me. I want to be a human too on, on camera when I'm telling a story. Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like when I'm watching things and I can tell that it's really scripted or I can tell, Um, that the person is just not being themselves, it's kind of hard for me to to grasp it and really like pay attention. Um, And so for me, I think that was huge early on just realizing that while I do love what Maria Taylor and Sam Ponders of the world are doing, it's like I want to be the best version of myself and be true to myself because that's going to help tell a better story and that's going to help my subject feel more comfortable as well. Um, when they feel like we're just sitting here having a conversation versus being interviewed.
0: It's so true. I love that you said that too. My friend, Laura Oakman always used to say, "I, love I Laura. do you know, Laura? Laura is great. Yes. I used to, we worked together for a long time and I produced with her and I used to produce her for a long time. And she used to always say, she's like, my job is to turn an interview into a conversation. Like I have to, it's a conversation and that makes them more comfortable and we get into a groove rather than they feel like it's an interview. And I've always thought that was brilliant advice. And I think that's one of those things that comes through with authenticity when you see it, you know it when you see it.
1: Yeah, I love Laura so much and I'm in Galvanize. And one of the biggest things I've learned from Laura is who versus do and making the subject feel. And so going um, beyond what you can ask like surface level questions, really digging deep and making them feel feel. Um, and that's been so huge to me. And I think about that all the time. Everything that I've learned in these galvanized camps with Flora is that, yeah. you know, the stuff that you can Google, like, don't ask that. Someone's probably already asked that right. really sit down and and get to know that person, like get to know their who and their why versus their do while their stats and everything is really important. It's like that person is also a human as well. So that's something that I've really tried to focus on as well. And and that comes when you're being conversational.
0: Yeah, so let's dig deeper there. How do you do that? How do you, let's say you have a sit-down schedule with Kendrick Bourne and you know you want to get into a good conversation with them, but you have to establish that trust with them too. They have to know it's a, a safe space where they can have this conversation. How do you do that? How do you get somebody that you're trying to talk to to break out of the routine, and and I know it's tough for the Patriots. Trust me, I know that they have a lot of standards, and mm-hmm. make it it can be tough. But like, how do you get somebody to to start to trust you and be able to open up in that conversation?
1: Kendrick is actually a really good um, example of of how you can do your research beyond the surface level. So with him, I've actually. Been in other press conferences, like with other, with his, with other teammates, and they'll talk about Kendrick. Okay. And so that even things that I'll write down, and I'm like, I wonder if Kendrick even knows that they said this about him. Mm. And so I, when I get Kendrick in front of me, I'm like, hey, you know, your teammates describe you as a Labrador, like as a puppy who has so much energy, you <laughs> never have a bad day. Like, you are such an energetic dog. And He was like, wow. He was like, that's definitely me. I'm a light bulb that never goes off. He was like, I am just so grateful for every single day. And therefore I feel like I always can be in a great mood. Like, why do I have a reason not to be in a great mood? I'm here today. I'm at practice. Like I'm on this team. I have another opportunity. Um, And it's different things like that, whether it's going through their Instagrams or even looking at their Instagram stories and seeing like, hey, like they're always at home playing guitar, like maybe ask them about that and why they get into guitar or maybe it's asking them about the um, community service that they're interested in. It's like, what is the story behind that? And a lot of times it's like, well, my sister had ovarian cancer or my best friend was really passionate about this growing up, but unfortunately they passed away. So I took it over. Um, I've actually had that happen before where it was like one of the athletes started his own clothing line and I asked him like, what made you so passionate about clothing? And it turned out that his best friend was really passionate about it, wanted to start his clothing line. And that's why he ended up starting a clothing line. Um, And so it's taking that extra mile to, Listen to press conferences, read other articles where maybe their teammates are talking about them, and then also pay attention to their social media. There are small cues on there that you can potentially use to ask more questions beyond what you see on on the usual stats, stat sheets, and and other things like their bio on the website.
0: I love that. I love digging into the depth of the person and really trying to connect on that level because people like to share, and especially if you put Mm -hmm. the work in and they show that you are – you're a storyteller, you want to get into a real meaty conversation with them rather than just talking about what their approach is on third down. Like that, that's stuff that people can really sink their teeth into. And that opens people up. So I I love that perspective. When you look back over, trust me, I know everybody will talk about every interview they've ever done, they love. But do you look back and say, like, there's certain interviews that I've done with certain people that I just felt like I really connected with. And really, that was a shining example of what can happen
1: when I'm on my game.
0: Do you think of any of those moments?
1: Yeah, I honestly think that going through the pandemic and then also just the social injustice that was has been happening over the past two years, yeah. um, those interviews that I've had, I feel like from that point forward have been so much better. I feel like that's when we really started to see um, people care more about the human behind the athlete, which is sad that it took, you know, all these crazy things happening in our country for everyone to really peel back the layers and be like, okay, this is who's behind that Jersey. Um, And I think that once I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of athletes and coaches about these very real things that are happening outside of the court pool um, field, I think that's when a lot of my interviews got so much better, really making them feel. And honestly, that's probably because too, that's when I had my first galvanized camp with Laura Oakman where she taught us like how to ask better questions. It's like, instead of asking this, this, and this, why don't you ask this instead? Really go beyond the surface and the things that you can Google and the typical, like what keeps you motivated? You know, what keeps you up at night? You know, why, why are you so passionate about football? It's like going beyond that. Um, Because at the end of the day, they're all probably going to say the same answer. Like it's the game I love. I've been playing this since I was nine years old or, or something around there. So um, that gets old and boring after a while. Um,
0: uh, uncovering something new is pretty exciting.
1: It, it is, it is, and and having the opportunity to tell someone else's story is amazing, um, and, it's, and it's truly just a blessing to be a vessel for the story that maybe they've been wanting to tell forever, but they didn't trust anyone um, to have it told. That's an honor, right?
0: Right, when somebody opens up to you like that, that's a real honor. Yeah. So let's jump into some broader topics in the world of sports. You and I connected through the Creators of Color program with hashtag sports, which is an or- as an organization, we at Work in Sports are one of the sponsors of the event. It's a super important event to highlight minority creatives in the sports industry. You were named to the inaugural core cohort. What does that mean to you to be recognized for your work in this manner?
1: It was truly an amazing honor, honestly. Um, just because I know there are so many talented black creators in the industry. There are so many. Um and to know that, you know applying for this and it being the inaugural one i know it was probably super 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 competitive it was just honestly shocking in a sense and especially to see some of the people that were in the inaugural like can we check for example 25 years old like the youngest um host on the nfl network to be on there with someone like that yeah. um and others i mean they're all so talented but she's one that automatically comes to mind it was just like wow like i'm in a class with These people like it says a lot Um, because a lot of times you know you don't need the applause of others and peers, but it's it's something that feels good. And so when you see something like this happen, it feels great, especially if you don't um, receive love very often in what you do.
0: Yeah, it's it was an amazing event, and it's been amazing to see this cohort and get to know many of the members. We were there for media day and did a lot of interview setups and. The the openness, the vulnerability, the conversations we got to get into, I thought were really inspiring, and I'm glad that we've been able to continue this conversation. I've asked a lot of the different members if they felt like the sports industry was inclusive, and I know that's a really broad, wide-angle lens question, but I do think it's important, and what was interesting to me is… You got a mixed bag of responses. Some people were like, yeah, it's a lot better than when I first got in. And other people are like, no, it's terrible. You know, it's it's not a great existence for me. And I feel shunned in this environment or I feel alone in this environment. So we got into some really interesting conversations. I'd throw the same point back at you. You've mm-hmm. had experiences in a lot of different regions of the country. You've been in different environments from college sports to pro sports to small local stations. What's your take as you look at it, as you look at inclusivity in the sports industry and the way we embrace people of all cultures? What do you see? What do you feel?
1: My honest answer is no. I I don't think it's inclusive, but it's more so um, probably a different response than you've heard so far, but I think it's more so with money. And I say that because as we know, the sports industry pays terribly. Um, yeah,' and been so, there. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it pays terribly. And a lot of people of color don't have the support from mom or dad or um, you know maybe um, their grandparents or, or whoever. they don't have the support. And so sometimes they aren't able to we aren't able to chase our dreams because we can't afford to. We can't afford to move across the country with no relocation and no help and then start mm-hmm. a job that pays barely enough to pay the rent in that city. And so I think that that unfortunately causes a lot of people of color to stray away from this industry. Cause they're like, I can't afford to go into debt to chase my dreams. Like I just can't, and I don't have the support to do that. Um, and so I think that for me, it's like, you know I've been thankful that my parents have helped me some to get to this point um, because a lot of jobs have not paid for relocation. They've barely paid enough to like pay for rent um and so I ended up having to work like multiple jobs to make ends meet just to chase my dreams knowing that like you know I'm hoping that one day this is going to all be worth it and so I think that when you don't have that support it's going to be hard to get in this industry when you don't have your mom or dad paying your rent or you know your grandparents have passed you down you know an um, inheritance that has helped you, like it's different things like that, that I think it's difficult. And obviously, the pay struggle for everyone, but I think it really hurts us when we don't have um, support, depending on what part of you know the the country that we're coming from.
0: Yeah, it's such a brilliant point. We've had this conversation. I've had this conversation with many people before too, about even the foundation of internships. How we started out this conversation. Those internships should be paid, period. Their Mm -hmm. labor, their work. And when you pay somebody on an internship, that opens it up to anybody to contribute. And if you don't pay, there are a lot of people that just won't be able to do it. They may be paying their way through college. They may have Mm -hmm. other restrictions on, you know, other responsibilities that prevent them from being able to just work for free. But if you don't, then you don't get the experience and you don't get hired. It's a slippery slope. And so, I, I mean, I've yep. made this case many times that I think that every internship should be paid. It should be just a standard. And if it isn't, then that's a problem and we need to fix it. But I think you're right in that even exactly. those entry-level jobs, it can be extremely I, – I remember even for myself, I, my first job at CNN, I was getting paid under $20,000 a year trying to live in Atlanta. It wasn't happening. Yeah. I was going backwards Impossible. every month. I was going backwards every month. Yeah. Every Every paycheck was like gone yeah. within like three days. Um, and it's hard, yeah. and I and I ran up a lot of debt, and I, it was a struggle to get through in a lot of ways. But um, it is a harder situation for others. I had some support, yeah. so I'm 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 glad you bring that up because I think that that is a major problem when we talk about the spirit of diversity and inclusion and equity. It starts at those very early phases, and in pay, and in all of those instances, and internships, and whatever. Um, you're also very active in supporting women in sport in the sports industry, giving back to the next generation, which I love. When you were coming up in the industry, did you have mentors who helped guide you and instruct you? And what were some of those things you pulled from them?
1: So that's actually the reason why I'm so passionate about it, because I didn't have any help. I knew nobody, I had no guidance, I was all alone. And so once I went to um NABJ, National Association of Black Journalists, yep. that's when I really started to make some really amazing friends and I had got mentors and that's when I started to get guidance. And that's when I was like, okay, like just because I didn't have help my first three years in the industry, um, doesn't mean that other people should go through the same. And so that is why I'm so passionate about, you know, advocating for women in sports and women working in sports, because I didn't have that help. And it's like, I would love to, um, lend a hand where I can to help those who are navigating in the same steps that I was once in.
0: It's so important. I know. And it's so nice to hear you giving back. Okay. So now you play the role of mentor. If, Young woman reaches out to you today and says, I want to be in your shoes someday. What should I do? What should I do to get started? What should I do to grow and develop and, and mature in this industry? What kind of advice would you share back with them?
1: My biggest piece of advice is that while it's okay to ask someone like me how I got to where I was, take that with a grain of salt, knowing that there is not one way to get to this point. Because I don't, what I don't want to tell people is thinking that my way is the only way my way is the only blueprint because that's not true you can go the local tv route you can go working at a college route you can go starting your own business route um like christina with girls talk tv um you know she went that route like there are multiple ways where you can get to the same goal of being a sports reporter or tv host in sports like don't try to emulate someone else's journey because there are multiple ways to get here. And just because yours looks different, doesn't mean it's wrong. I think that's my biggest piece of advice. I think if you look at my resume, you're like, what was she doing? Like she went from this to this, to this, to this, like, it doesn't make sense, but I'm still, I made it here.
0: I think it's brilliant. I think your resume (laughs) is (laughs) brilliant.
1: It it, it was kind of like, okay, I can't see where she's interested, what she's interested in because she's all over the place. But and you have some people who started local TV right after school, and then they just worked their way up, and now they're ESPN. That's the way to do it, too. And then you have some people, like, for example, Malika Andrews. She started off as a writer. She was a writer her whole life, and now she's on camera. So I think there are just multiple ways to get here. And I just don't want anyone to get discouraged if their path takes longer or it looks very different.
0: It's such great advice. It's such a wonderful journey that you've been on. And it's, it's great to hear your story and how you've put the work in to get to this point. And I love your perspective on all the things that are happening in the industry right now, as far as DE&I and all the other uh, issues that are so important in our world. And I'm glad that these things, have been, I mean, I had an interview a couple of weeks ago with Chris Brown, who's the uh, Associate Athletic Director for DEI and i at the University of Delaware. And we were talking about how, because he and I are about the same age, he was like, yeah, this didn't even exist. We didn't even talk about this five, seven years ago. The yeah. fact that we're talking about it and having these conversations and trying to dig deeper into solving some of these root problems, there is tons of work to be done. There's a long way to go. I'm not saying that we're getting anywhere yet, but we're having the conversations. We're getting to discuss it. We're getting to try to make change out there, mm-hmm. which I think is such a positive. So, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing a bit more of your story. I know this advice will help out so many people in our audience, so just thank you so much for being a part of this.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Brian. I'm definitely happy to share any advice that I can that will help anyone have an easier journey than what I
0: do. <laughs> I think, I, seriously, you sell yourself so short. Your journey's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking through your resume, and I'm so impressed of every step that you've taken and these accomplishments you've had and the awards that you've won for ACC Network, Digital Network. I mean, it's so impressive, so you should be really proud of getting to this phase where you are a team reporter for the best team in the NFL. I mean, I might be a little bit biased, but but the best team in the NFL, uh, only six years out of college. That's really impressive. You should be proud of yourself. So congratulations on everything. And thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you to Tamara for coming on the show. This was an incredible conversation and I love her approach and strategy towards understanding need to get experience. and need to get reps. And she took every opportunity there was. She relocated. She moved. She took on whatever challenge was thrown at her. And I love the way that she's propelled that into the point she's in, in her career. As I mentioned, she was also part of the Creators of Color series, which we were proud to sponsor as part of the Hashtag Sports cohort. And we love being involved with hashtag sports and highlighting many of these creators of color who are doing amazing things in the sports industry. So thank you again, Tamara, for coming on the show. So enjoyed talking to you. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you listen. We want to continue to grow and you're all an instrumental part of that. So thank you for being here and I appreciate every single one of you.